Uh, let's have a chat now to Matty Welsh, who is, of course, the Executive General Manager of Racing at Racing Victoria. And uh, it's been a, a long-debated um, decision as to what the Spring Carnival will look like. A lot of changes mooted, and this morning it has been revealed that there will be two major changes from a Group 1 racing perspective with the 1,000 guineas and also the Rupert Clark moved post the Flemington Carnival. But the feature, the major Cox Plate, remains in its traditional slot. Matt, good morning to you. How are you, Michael? Very well indeed. Uh, how close was it, the Cox Plate being moved? Did it come down to a, a vote at Racing Victoria board level? Uh, there was certainly appetite... Uh right across the board so i think the uh, mooney valley committee was, was certainly interested and just straight off the top want to thank uh mooney valley management and and their committee for their input throughout the process um yeah, it was certainly yeah, the idea of capitalizing more on november i think has been widely accepted uh, by board management and and plenty throughout the industry so tick there and i think most were in agreement that the cox plate uh, a couple of weeks after Champion Stakes could certainly work and it would be a terrific grand final to finish the Spring Carnival. Ultimately, there's a few things going on in the background. A finalisation of the, the wagering licence, which expires in, in August 2024, and the uncertainty around the significant amount of funding that that licence provides was, was certainly a consideration, on top of the risk of obviously moving a race that um, you know has embedded a slot in the in late October for uh, for 100 years. But that wagering licence playing off in the background certainly um, was certainly taken into consideration and that's something that uh, RV are working very hard to try and finalise that next licence and what it'll look like. Yeah, that, that's sort of been bubbling along in the back, but it was sort of laid bare only in recent days as a, as a major factor to the sort of sense of urgency about... Um, potential income and so on. Matt, just for listeners who are a little bit cloudy on what it all means about the wagering licence and what the, the threat, the income threat might be, what, just, just to crystallise the, the, the issue that um, exists with the wagering licence, uh, uh, with the, uh, the grappling over the wagering licence? Well, obviously, Tabcorp are the current holder of, of the licence here in Victoria, Matty, and they're uh, coming towards the end of a 12-year uh, licence period. It's a significant funder to the industry. So over $200 million between thoroughbred racing, uh, greyhound racing and also harness racing. And obviously the nature of um, retail betting has, has changed significantly over that 12-year that period and particularly in the last couple of years. And the, the next licence is yet to be secured and what that will look like. So, so essentially that means there's uncertainty around a significant amount of funding for Racing Victoria. Uh, there's a no worse off and condition in the previous licence. So essentially, um, Racing Victoria is striving to ensure that the industry is no worse off. But with the uncertainty around it um, lingering, uh, certainly uh, that weighs into any any thoughts around investment or any considerations around significant investment. What's the potential... I know it's sort of vague to work out exact figures, but what's the potential worst-case scenario with... Uh, the, the, the new wagering licence and what the deficit might be? Oh, look, that's probably not for me to, to speculate. Um, you know, others within the business working much closer on that process, Matty, but uh, needless to say, I think uh, it's certainly important it's resolved sooner rather than later and, and we have some certainty as to how we can move forward or from a funding perspective, how we can move forward. 
So once that's finalised, is the appetite there to move the Cox Plate in the future? I think there's certainly, you know, appetite to revisit a similar sort of process to what we have this year. And the, the board sort of certainly put that on, on record. There's no doubt about that. And a review is conducted at the end of each and every year. So whilst previously there hadn't been significant changes made, there have been significant changes mooted in the past. And uh, as I've said on, on this show before, I think if you're not reviewing not only your spring carnival, but your whole year on a regular basis, it means you're not striving to improve your product. And so it'll certainly, a review will be undertaken again at the end of next year and or into this spring carnival upcoming. And, and, you know, there'll be appetite there. That's not to suggest that the Cox Plate's a, a fait accompli to move next year by any stretch of the imagination. And that would also involve uh, the Mooney Valley uh, Racing uh, uh, Turf Club Committee and also management having a willingness to, to entertain it again next year as well. So what has moved is the 1,000 Guineas and the Sir Rupert Clark moved to the Saturday after um, the final day of the Flemington Melbourne Cup Carnival and there's also a new race, which I, I really like, uh, which is the Country Cups final will also be on that day. Why moving or why the decision to move the thousand guineas and the and the rupert clark to that day was that something that the mrc was pushing hard to have another major spring carnival day oh look they weren't necessarily pushing extremely hard to have those certain races on on the program but we'd worked through a couple of feature days that could potentially work after after champion stakes day so so one of them was the cox Plate, and there was no secret around that the other has been this Thousand Guineas Day, which I think has been reported in the press quite regularly over the last couple of months. But we feel the Thousand Guineas can work really well on that day. Uh, it's got a terrific um, program of lead-up races leading into it, both uh, for horses who want to kick off a little bit later in the spring, so those fillies that might want to have a little bit more time developing or campaign through the Queensland winter, but also for those fillies who are on oak paths and potentially get to a race like the Wakeful and realise that they're not going to see out the 2,500 metres of the oak, there's an option there to drop back to the mile uh, 10 or so days later than the oak. So from a scheduling and pattern perspective, it works really well uh, in, our, in our view, and that was the view of an, a number of trainers that were consulted. Of course, there's a, a wide variety of views. Some vehemently sort of opposed um, changes that were proposed, some vehemently agreed with changes opposed, and I think most sort of sit in the middle of um, you know, excitedly positive or hesitantly positive, uh, depending on which side of the fence you sit. But that's the rationale behind the, the thousand guineas. Additionally, the, the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes is, is some really good races that lead into it. Uh, it gives us another group one on, on that race day. And uh, obviously the champion, the Can Taylor Stakes, being changed to Wait for Age last year with the, um, the I- implementation of Champion Stakes Day. Um, you know, it allows an option for those handicappers as well. So you've got races like the Champions Spring, Champions Mile, uh, the 1,200 and 1,400 metre Group 2 and Group 3 on Derby Day that can potentially feed into that Sir Rupert Clark stage. So they, they, they make sense from a, a programming perspective. Uh, no doubt there'll be some who um, have alternate views on, on the proposed changes. We think they work really well and they're going to be great headline Group 1 for that new day. Hesitantly positive. I reckon that could enter the vernacular as, as, as a nice turn of phrase. I think the um, 
There's, there's the, you know, the, the weighing up of the, you know, you mentioned the positive and negative view on certain things. I think the, the slightly concerning one about the, the Thousand Guineas positioning might be that it might just weaken again the Oaks, which is a, a race that traditionally has a long tail. But I think the positive might be, Maddie, that uh, it sort of fits in with the type of horses we create in this country, doesn't it? A lot of them are, are desperately stretching beyond a mile. Uh, just because the races are there historically, and maybe if you put on a mile race, it might be it might better fit those horses than the perennial argument about the Oaks and the distance and all that sort of stuff for spring three-year-olds. I think the one that everyone's going to be jumping up and down and saying, yes, um, finally we've got there, is the uh, confirmation of the Manicato uh, complementing the Cox Plate on Cox Plate Day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and last year gave us uh, an accidental window into to what a Manicato stakes might look like back on a Cox Plate card. And uh, it was a, a resounding success, despite the fact in a lot of publications, form publications, it wasn't even mentioned on the Saturday due to the, the late switch. But uh, look, it was a terrific success on Cox Plate Day last year. Mooney Valley were keen to retain it. We were keen to retain it on that day. And it just makes it an absolute blockbuster Cox Plate Day. And I think the uh, the Mooney Valley Gold Cup headlining the Friday night ensures that there's still a compelling offer there for those who want to go to both days of uh, Cox Plate Weekend. And, and we'll continue to work with Mooney Valley on, you know, potential tweaks to that Friday night as well. And I just want to clarify that these changes, these headline changes for the Spring Racing Carnival certainly don't mean that there won't be other tweaks along the way. We're still finalising our 2023-24 race dates as well. So... Uh, these are the, probably the, the pillar races that will move, but there'll be um, subsequent smaller changes, no doubt, in coming weeks and months. So what happens to the Country Cups, Matt, those standalone Country Saturdays that traditionally flow off the back of Melbourne Cup Week? Well, they retain um, most prominent days in the calendar. So Cranbourne Cup Day moves back a week. I've been in regular consultation with Neil Bainbridge at Cranbourne. Again, just want to thank him for, for his patience and involvement in the process. Uh, in Cran- Cranbourne, one of the major, tra- well, the major training boats in Victoria now, they're doing a terrific job. So they retain a, a really good Saturday there on November 25 next year. And similarly, Ballarat, uh, they retain a Saturday in early December. Uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit uh, warmer at that time of year. Uh, and again, you know, we, we just um, completely throw our arms around those cups and what they're doing and um, continue to support them with really strong Saturdays. So... Both of them have good offerings. We're still just working with Pakenham to finalise their date, but that will be um, announced in coming weeks. And again, uh, as we've said throughout, we'll ensure that these country clubs um, retain prominence through the the spring and summer and uh, note that they are incredibly important to Racing Victoria, but also the broader industry. So um, pleased with with where they've landed. And just going back to that 1,000 guineas, I think the other compelling thing around it you know, it's a great offering on the back of Spring Racing Carnival. The MRC will do a really good job to uh, activate their events on that day. The other thing we're keen to do is engage um, uni leavers and school leavers. Uni exams finish the day prior to that, uh, Saturday, November 18. Of course, BCE exams as well around that point in time. So uh, we want to engage with that younger audience that potentially aren't available to attend Cup Week due to exams and things like that. Um, and that'll provide a great offering for them to hopefully attend Caulfield on the New Thousand Guineas Day. Matty, just on a different topic, we were talking before the All-Star Mile votes, and I Wish I Win is leading the votes, but um, is unlikely to head to the All-Star Mile. Have you got any um, update on what Peter Moody and the team are, are planning to do with I Wish I Win? 
It's tighter the top. He's 10,672, leading the vote uh, about 100 ahead of Alligator Blood and then on Thunderstrike. I've been in contact with the stable a few times over the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, he's heading to the new market and they've, they've kicked off the campaign on the sprinting preparation. Pete is still keeping the window open of an all-star mile berth. Um, it's, un- it's unlikely. It's on the more unlikely side. But again, speaking to him in the last half hour, they certainly want to keep their options open. And, um, you know, it'd be great to see him attempt uh, a-, a new market into all-star mile double. I don't think anyone doubts he wouldn't be capable of doing so. Um, so at this stage, he remains in. Um, so uh, he will remain in post the closing of voting, which is 10pm uh, on Sunday night. Matt, you mentioned uh, uni students, and I'm trying to think of the demographics that can, can be sort of targeted and sort of tried to be uh, influenced uh, towards horse racing. And I don't know how much... Obviously, the VRC are very staunch in their view about what they do, and but obviously, Race of Victoria uh, has a major input as well. Oaks Day, everyone agrees. I'm not sure if the VRC day agrees that Oaks Day needs review. That it uh, that it's struggling. The crowds are down. There was a proposal a few weeks ago to radically change it. I remember when Amanda Elliott was the chairman. It was uh, a bit of a Royal Ascot mindset by uh, whittling back the races, making it a twilight. I know COVID got in the way. It never had a clear run at these changes, but the changes were half pregnant. They never really radically did what what some um, envisage could be done to try and even attract a, uh, a younger audience uh, with less cash, make it more affordable, Twilight, or just radically review Oaks Day. Is it, is it a sort of a, a watching brief at all with Racing Victoria and uh, even the VRC Oaks Day, or is, is, in, is there little chance that there might be some even minor or major changes to Oaks Day in coming years? Look, we, we continue to work with the VRC on the carnival, and a lot of the, the points you make there, some of them certainly resonate and, and make a lot of sense. I mean, the reality with a Thursday that we can't get away from is it's a work day for the majority of yeah. people, for 90-plus percent of people. It's a work day, much like the Wednesday of the 1,000 guineas, and that's a challenge. That's a challenge. So, you know, I, I think that we will continue to work with the VRC in, in coming weeks and months ahead of this, um, the 2023 Melbourne Cup Carnival, but... You know, we need to continue reviewing Oaks Day and, and all days through the spring racing carnival year in, year out. And, um, you know, whether changes like that are considered going forward, I certainly wouldn't, you know, from our perspective, certainly wouldn't rule it out. But we respect what the BRC have done with their carnival. It's become you know, the key pillar of, of racing in Australia. Um, so we'll continue to work with them on, on feedback, on metrics and, and what makes sense. There's no doubt about that. Matt, appreciate your time this morning. Not a problem at all.